Hello and welcome to the Wig Athletic Supporters Mental Health Group Virtual Q&A with former Wig Athletic player and manager Paul Cook. My name is Jay Whittle and I'll be your host this evening alongside our Mental Health Group Ambassador Adam Brooks. So Paul, first and foremost, thanks so much for joining us and to start off this Q&A session, what have you been up to over the last few months? Probably very similar to everybody else, Jay. I think, uh, you know, obviously with um, resigning at Wigan Athletic when I did, I think that was probably six months ago, give or take a bit of time. I think what everybody's going through in general, the whole country as a whole, and probably more importantly, the whole world, it's been a really difficult time. So, you know, the mental health issues and obviously the the pro-mental health efforts, we can help with everything and we can give everyone's important because no matter how strong you think people are, I think everyone's suffered in some form. I completely agree and I will touch upon uh, the mental health uh, areas towards the uh, the end of the Q&A and, and it is so important to do events like this and raise awareness because there's so many people that are suffering, uh, not just physically but, but mentally and to, to talk about football now, uh, something you've obviously loved and, and experienced so much as a player and manager, have you been keeping an eye out for uh, the athletic results? Yeah, God, yeah. <laughs> obviously. I speak with uh, the staff that were there. Obviously, for me, time there, the majority majority of staff have moved on now to pastures new. I think you've got Anthony Barry, who's first team coach at Chelsea. You've got Nick Colgan, goalkeeping coach at Forest. Andrew Proctor's moved on to Blackburn. Nick Meese has moved on to Stoke. So there's been a mass change. But obviously, I speak to Liam literally every day, Liam Richardson. Uh, and obviously, you know. It's, it's without doubt a result that I, I look for. I wait for the games like all Wigan fans. Uh, I think we're doing great, by the way. I've got to say that. You know, I think the lads are doing absolutely fantastically well. I think from the, the hand that they've been dealt at the start of the season with so many young lads at the academy, so many issues around signings and the problems that everybody's well documented about off the pitch. I think to actually be in with a chance for staying in the division is fantastic credit to Liam and everyone at the club. How have you been helping Liam out with uh, when it comes to advice and guidance? Yeah, definitely when they win. Whenever they get beat, it's Liam. And when they win, it's all my input. No, Liam's his own man. You know, I'm only there for, for Liam as, a, as a, an avenue of support. You know, Liam's got his own identity. He's got his own views on the game. He's a very strong character. Liam, he's a very intelligent guy. And, you know, I think he's doing really, really well, I think. You can only imagine how tough it's been, Jay, and you know, I've declined to do a couple of interviews and paper stuff because there's only so much misery we can speak about, isn't it? You know, and especially for what happened to Wigan Athletic. I think the most important thing now, and we keep waiting for the future to start, and I think the future can only really start when the ownership is dealt with. I fully agree. And how much have you been missing football since you resigned from Wigan? Well, obviously, I, I, I still have a... I've been lucky enough to get quite a bit of work on Sky Sports and, you know, I think the punditry side of the game is something that I've never really liked pundits, if I tell you the truth. It's easy to sit in a studio and give an opinion on a football match. I think it's a hell of a lot harder when you're stood on that sidelines and sometimes when you come out of it and you're this side, some of the criticisms levelled at managers nowadays, it's not right. It's not correct. It's not fair. You know, it, it's, it's a continuous... You know, it's always somebody in the spotlight. And you've only got to look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer today to look at Man United's position. Yet, four weeks ago, you know, he's getting 
from pillar to post, he should resign. He's not good enough. He's not big enough to run the club. Yeah, four weeks later, Man United, up till yesterday, were sitting top of the Premier League. And all of a sudden, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is the best thing since sliced bread. And I think in general, for football supporters, you know, you've got to have a bigger picture view on it. It's like when you start a season, no one knows the end league table till we've played all 46 games. But nowadays, especially from a manager's point of view, the games are getting analysed from game to game. And you can't judge managers from game to game. It's physically impossible. I fully agree. And with your work on Sky as a pundit, how are you finding the uh, language barrier? Um, how are you finding <laughs> the uh, language barrier? Are, are you coping all right? There's no fourth officials and referees to shout at, Jay. That's for sure. And I think it's... Uh, I think, listen, we've all seen it. Football, even football players, like even to last week, they're getting criticised over celebrations. They're getting criticised for breaking some of their lockdown rules and regulations, and rightly so for that. But I think we've all got to remember, first and foremost, without football now, the country will be in a lot worse state with mental health and everything else. You know, football keeps so many households going now. That doesn't give footballers a right to do things wrong. Not not at all. But we've got to remember these guys are, going, are getting asked to go to work every day to be away from the families, to do a lot of stuff that other people aren't being asked to do. And I think now and again, especially where the celebrations are, we should be trying to educate the players, but we need to give them a little break as well because football's playing a massive part in keeping the country going. I fully agree. And football is a lot of people's escape from their mental health. It's it's something they look forward to all week on a Saturday afternoon. And, and I know you're, you're a massive Liverpool fan. And, and to bring Adam into the conversation now, where uh, he's going to ask you about supporting Liverpool and how they're doing so far. Yeah, so Paul, obviously, we know that you're a big Liverpool fan, perhaps your second club after we in. Uh, what are your thoughts on their performance this season? Yeah, what are my thoughts? Well, again... You've only got to be in the football world to see that now Salah, Mane and Firmino are no good anymore. It's just absolutely bonk, isn't it? Them poor guys go two or three games without scoring a goal and we've got to change Liverpool's front line. And that just shows you what football's like today. You know, I think when you look at the injuries to Van Dijk and Gomez, it's not just the injuries to Van Dijk and Gomez, it's the fact that you're moving Henderson and Fabinho about it's the fact that other players now come out of their main positions. Jota's had a big injury for Liverpool. So, you know, what I do think Liverpool's slight hiccup, it's really allowed the Premier League at the top end of the table to be so much more competitive. And I think that's great for English football, especially this year in the year that we're having. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, you touched upon the injuries that Liverpool have been hit, obviously, with Van Dijk and Gomez. What would your, your starting eleven be if you were Klopp at this point? I'll leave that to Klopp, me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when you've won as much as Jürgen Klopp has, I think you're fully entitled to pick whatever Liverpool team you think. I think one of Liverpool's big problems has been the fact that the, the support to the front three has always probably been not of a top level. You know, if you look at Shaqiri, for example, and you look at Minamino that's been brought in, you look at Origi, Whilst individually they're all good players, I don't think any of them would be deemed to be top elite level Premier League players. So Jota coming in, you know, again at the start of the season, he'd had a fantastic start. So I just think Liverpool have lacked that little bit of support when them lads have needed a break. 
we probably haven't really had the support players to go in there. And that can be quite difficult sometimes when the amount of money involved in buying frontline Premier League players can be really tough. It's an excellent answer, and uh, I'll now pass you on to Jay for uh, the next part. Since we announced that you will be taking part in a fans Q&A, we had an unbelievable response. So many people love you from your time at your club, both as a player and a manager, and we've received so many fantastic questions. Just out of curiosity, what do you think the Latics fans have asked you? Uh, what will the Latics fans ask me? Uh, what would the Latics fans... I think probably the questions will be freshest in the minds, only about uh, all the times that went on at Wigan Athletic from probably... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Me, me. It was there a fallout with Josh Windass? Uh, all them type of questions, I suppose. Absolutely, and I, I think you're really well prepared. And, and Adam, I think Paul's ready to take on some of the fan questions. Uh, so I'll let you get this support Q and A underway with the first few questions. Brilliant. Good luck. Thank you. So the first question is from Fabian, uh, one of our members, and he said, what is your match day ritual before COVID from arriving at the ground to walking out of the tunnel on a match day? My match day ritual uh, before COVID, uh, well, normally I would get to the stadium probably about, uh, Anthony Barry used to pick me up at the house and he'd be to Costa and he'd bring me a, a, a cup of tea or a hot chocolate and he'd probably pick him, it depends on how the nerves were from half 10 to half 11 and we'd arrive at the stadium from 11 o'clock till 12 o'clock and from there probably watch the early games that were on always go and have a walk and a look at the pitch always have a general feel for you know what was going on and then the worst hour of all is that hour before kickoff once you pick the team once you've give them the team talk the tactics are already done during the week You've got one more little speech, I suppose, to the lads at five to three before they go out. But that's a difficult hour. The hour from like two-ish to five to three is just when you're really on your own and you're just sitting there and you're just having a cup of tea and just thinking and hoping that everything that you prepare for will go well. Interesting one. <laughs> um, Ken Barler, the next person, has asked, on a sliding scale, how much success in football is due down to the tactics, recruitment and man management? Say that question again, please. So Ken asked, uh, how much of success in football is due to the tactics, recruitment and man management? I think, again, it's good questions. Football is one of them great debates, isn't it? And, you know, from my point of view, I think man management's huge. I really do. I think every manager gets a group of players in general. And a manager's job is to get the best out of the players he's got. If you look at, for example, and the Premier League today, as we speak now, Fulham and West Brom occupied two of the bottom three places. Last year, they would have occupied two of the top three places. But the managers are the same. Sorry, Slavon Village has been replaced by Sam Allardyce. Sorry, I apologise there. But in general, as long as their managers feel that they're getting the best out of their players, then you can't do much more than that as a manager. You know, recruitment is absolutely huge in the game. You know, you look at clubs and where this salary cap goes with the Certainly, Leagues 1 and 2 is going to be very interesting, the playing field that brings. But I don't think people realise how hard recruitment is, especially for a Wigan Athletic, a Barnsley, a Luton, you know, a Rotherham. You know, them type of teams, when you go into the Championship, you can't afford the wages of other teams. 
You know, so you're now looking for players to come in, play well in the championship, but not be on great money. So the recruitment side of the game is absolutely huge. What was the other point after man management and recruitment? Uh, it was tactics. Yeah, and again, tactics is, for a manager, it, it is important. But you've got to realise, I think one that was in the public eye this week was Newcastle United, where it's been well documented with, you know, under Rafa Benitez and Steve Bruce. Newcastle have probably played, not a negative way, but a style of football that was more adhered to probably not getting beat heavily and trying to win from there rather than opening up. Steve went to uh, uh, Arsenal this week, Monday night, I think, played a different type of style, a little bit more expansive and a little bit open, but they lost 3-0. Now, the brutal reality is Arsenal's players are better than Newcastle's, so the tactics are important because you've got to concentrate on not getting beat and staying in the game and hoping that somewhere along the way you'll get your chances to win rather than going toe-to-toe. So certainly tactics are very, very important as well. Certainly an interesting question, obviously, as you've adhered to with the uh, the wage cap that has been put in place for football. But uh, interestingly, not at the moment in the Championship. The next question uh, by Colin Gardner uh, asks, how have you been doing out of work? Sorry, how has uh, being out of work during a pandemic affected you mentally? Oh, listen, it's been tough without a shadow of doubt. I've been... I'm a lad since a very, very young age. Obviously, I signed for Wigan Athletic on my 17th birthday. I think from 17 to my age today, I don't think I've been out of work. I think the only time out of work was when I got sacked by Southport. And I think I was out of work for a week or two and I went to Sligo. So apart from that, I've had 35 uninterrupted years of going to work every day. So as you can imagine now, you know, the last four, five, six months have been really, really tough. You know, because from initial period of where people phone you and speak to you, like everything else, people, one of the difficulties is always people have just expected me to get a job. Now, whilst I've been offered work, it hasn't been the the work that I've wanted yet. So I'm holding out for a job that I deem is correct. Within that, I've got to manage that against the the hardship of how much I miss the day-to-day involvement of football, how much I miss the dressing room, the integration of the lads, the... the banter, the seeing the staff and, you know, just being with people on a day-to-day basis. So it has been really tough, yeah, it has for sure. Thank you very much. uh, Sorry, and then we'll just pass you on to Jay for the next question. Sorry, Jay. No worries, it's absolutely fine. And to to link on to to your last answer, Paul, you mentioned banter. Who at Wigan had the best banter? Oh, my God, there was loads of banter at Wigan. Jesus, there was a lot. From coming in of a morning, the younger lads were growing into the group. You know, uh, Anthony Robinson, Jedi, uh, Joe Williams always had a lot to say for himself, for sure. Uh, Gary Roberts is always quite chirpy. I think Ian Craney, who's the kit man who's still there now, is very, very chirpy. And I think he's done great keeping the dressing room going at times. But it, 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 all the lads were different. You know, Shay Dunkley would always come in of a morning. You know, we used to have the lads sign the register when they come in of a morning, which always meant that they'd speak to the staff before training started, you know, and all the lads in different ways. We were very lucky. We had a, a really, really good group of players who were, who were all, in my opinion, doing well and moving on to better things. It was a fantastic squad. And, and based off our previous interview, I think Ian won't be missing you that much with the amount of tees he had to throw away during, during your time when he was nervous before a game. I think the 
But uh, I think the toughest one for the kit man, I used to always ask for a cup of tea for kickoff. So once he'd handed me the cup of tea, if we didn't start well, he used to go mad at me because I'd throw it away onto the floor. <laughs> he used to have a right go at me. He said, I'm not making you any more teas if you keep throwing them away. And I missed that. <laughs> I, I imagine it, it would have been a, a good laugh and it's it's great to see because off on the pitch we can see it translate into the relationships forming and the friendships growing too. And, and Andy Gill has asked, if you can relive one moment from your time as Latics manager, what would it be? I think it has to be, you know, there was some very, very special moments as Wigan manager, especially from my time when, when we were in League One. You know, the reality is, in my opinion, and I don't mean this with any type of... Um, any type of, what's the correct word, blase, you know, it wasn't very difficult to get Wigan promoted from League One. The standard of player was so strong, uh, along with Blackburn, the two squads were ridiculously better than the league. So coming into the championship, the challenge for the team was without doubt, can we stay up? And I think that win at Leeds when we went down to 10 men, you know, just the feeling when the referee blew the final whistle, you know, that we then went on to stay up was a, a great time. The second year, again, from being bottom of the league where we were, watching the players grow, you know, watching the lads develop together, Kiefer Moore, Jamal Lowe, Joe Williams, you know, Anthony Robinson, all new signings grow and get better and staying up. But I think it would be quite hard to beat anything of the feeling that when we beat Man City in the FA Cup. I think that last five minutes of the game is probably the longest of my life. You know, and I think with everything that had gone on in the game, the highs, the emotions, we were actually sitting down for the last couple of minutes and I said to the other staff, I hope they don't equalise because I don't want to go back to the Etihad. I think Man City has absolutely battered us at the Etihad. I think the emotion of the referee blowing that final whistle, to see such a big crowd in the DW, to see the atmosphere in the stadium of a, a full house and... You know, the feeling to be probably one of the best teams in the world that night as a League One team must have been probably, it would probably be the best night I had as Wigan manager. It was a really special memory and it always stands out to a lot of Wigan fans. And another thing that stands out in that game is your fiery encounter on the touchline and in the tunnel with Pep Guardiola. Can you uh, enlighten us a little bit more about that? Yeah, without a doubt, I think it was, it was due to the fact of um, he felt, I think, at the time that our bench was influencing the sending off um, of Fabian Delph. And, you know, without, without um, in my opinion, we weren't influencing the sending off. The sending off got sent off because the referee and the linesman give the sending off. Obviously, uh, Pep Guardiola, we all have the utmost respect for. You know, he's been there, he's doing it. He's an absolutely elite level manager. He wasn't very happy about that. Um, and we were... You know, that's the brutal truth of it. You know, I'm not, I wasn't on the sidelines to be Pep Guardiola's friend. I was on the sidelines at the time in the game for Wigan Athletic. And obviously from there, you know, the way the lads defended and played and, you know, the whole, you know, to beat Man City. And as we see how strong Man City are now, I think the players and the whole staff for the night should feel huge, huge admiration for each other. You know, because there's not many teams stop Man City scoring a goal in 90 minutes. I still look back in quite disbelief in many ways because that squad had no right to beat the City team as superstars. They were blowing everyone away and credit to yourself and all the players for pulling off that upset. And I'm going to return now back to Adam for some more fan questions. 
before I start, obviously, I could just say like that season, it was Wigan and Liverpool, your two teams, Paul, that stopped Man City. So, <laughs> credit to them. And I must say um, as well, before we move on, I think what you've also got to remember in football, there's a major factor of a little bit of luck that comes into everything. You know, if that you don't have that little rub of the green at certain moments, then you won't go on and be successful. So I think it was Aguero put one over the bar in the first half that he probably should have scored. You know, and they're the little moments in games that you must stay in the game to win. So, yeah, let's move on. Great. Um, Leon and Thomas Wright would like to know, who would you regard as the best player you never signed at Latics? Wow, that's a, it's a good question because... You know, when you sign players, you've got to be careful that I always judge a top, top player is somebody who gets everything out of their career. So if you've got an example of faith, for example, Nick Powell, Nick Powell is without doubt one of the best players that I've ever worked with. But without doubt, Nick Powell should be playing in the Premier League. So somewhere along the line, Nick's got to have done uh, not something wrong. That's the wrong term. But Nick should be a Premier League player today. So Nick should be getting more out of his career. So you have to then look at lads who get everything out of their, not their careers, everything out of their, what should we say, out of, out of the time at Wigan Athletic. And if you go through the team, lads like Shay Dunkley was performing outstandingly well. Gavin Massey performed outstandingly well. I signed Gary Roberts when he being released by Portsmouth, who'd done outstandingly well. You know, Dan Bain, while he was with us, who I never signed, done outstandingly well. So you can go on and on with players. I think, as we touched back before, a man manager or man management is about getting the best out of players. And I think as a manager, you've got to make sure that you touch into all the different talents you have at the club to get the best out of them all. Yeah, for certain. I absolutely agree. And the next question is, uh, by Gallen Lung, he asks... What are your thoughts and feelings about the current Wigan Athletic team? I think the current Wigan Athletic team, I think for quite a few, the majority of lads who've left now, who Cal Naismith, Joe Gardner, them type of lads, I think the lads who stayed after the summer were probably the lads who had it the toughest and the most difficult. For last year, when they were in such a strong squad, they now had to manage being in such a weak squad for being in the bottom four in League One. And you don't realise what that would have done to them players mentally. While they all love Wigan Athletic and they would have all given everything for Wigan Athletic while they did, it was very difficult for them to adjust probably to them playing with the academy graduates coming through. I think from the initial disappointments of starting the season probably toughly, I think the results that they've had, winning at Portsmouth, winning at Sunderland, you know, beating Wigan, beating Accrington Stanley at home, who were flying... I think the whole club should be very proud of what Liam Richardson and all the staff under Liam Richardson have done. Not just keeping the club going, but keeping the club competitive. Within that, we've seen the emergence of the younger players at the club, lads like Kyle Joseph, who are taking a lot of the plaudits. And that's great to see. Without the senior players from last year moving on, the younger lads at Wigan Athletic wouldn't have got that opportunity. So that opportunity has come through probably uh, through the disappointment of what the club's gone through, but there's a level of joy through the young lads being allowed to get on the pitch and play. I think within that integration, even I do think there's still a lot of pain to go through. 
I think the challenge for the team this year to stay up is a huge one. And I think they're doing fantastically well in trying to meet that challenge. And I think Liam and all the players and all the staff at the club deserve their utmost respect and support. And I do think Wigan fans are giving them that. Yeah, it's imp- interesting that you touched on, obviously, the likes of Cal Naismith and Joe Garner, because obviously I can understand completely how disheartened they may feel, you know, because obviously being such an integral part of that championship side that, in my opinion, proved that they deserve to be championship players and obviously they, that was taken away from them, unfortunately. The next question... Uh, sorry, go on. touch on there, and I do think this is an important thing. Eventually especially when it'll take new owners to come in, Wigan will reach rock bottom of wherever that is, whatever rock bottom is. And from that moment on then, and in my opinion, every day will be a good day then. I think we've got to stop eventually speaking about that championship team and speaking about the past. Very, very soon, we must speak about the future. The young lads, not the young lads are then playing because of other problems. The young lads are now playing because they're the best players at Wigan Athletic. And I think once we hit that point of bottom and out, bottom and out, I think we can start looking really to the to the future with a lot more optimism. Absolutely, and obviously, as we've already seen, you know the likes of Kyle Joseph, Chris Merry, Tom Pierce. The, the future does look very bright for Athletic, despite having to sell a lot of our young players. The next question is uh, by R- Romero Garcia, and he asks. Why did you appear as reluctant to play Joe Gellard and Callum McManaman during your time at Wigan Athletic? I think it's a good question. I think it's a dead fair question. I think one of the the the, the biggest things about, um, and I've got to be careful, in the modern game, athleticism and physicality is huge. And to fit them lads into a team, you have to have both defensive qualities and obviously going forward qualities. And sometimes what I was always trying to do was put the balance to the team before picking individual players. And for Wigan Athletic in the Championship, especially the first year till the last 10, 12 games, second year till post-Christmas, we found it really, really difficult to win football games. The times when we were winning games, it was a lot more easier and the balances of the teams were right. Both lads that we speak about, Joffrey and Cal McManaman. And Cal had an outstanding career at Wigan Athletic, an outstanding career under Roberto Martinez. But Roberto's team was probably built around fitting Cal into a system. And I think you can fit Cal into a system if you pick a team, i.e. 3-5-2. I think they're the systems that work for Cal. They're the systems I never played. I think both lads individually and technically are fantastic players. And I think they can both flourish in certain systems, but they weren't systems that I was playing. And certainly from there, I wish both lads, Joffrey's gone to Leeds, Carl's out in Australia. They're both absolutely lovely lads to work with. You know, and I certainly, there was never a problem between myself and the guys, that's for sure. I think that's a, a great answer. And to speak about players now, we mentioned Callum McManaman, Joe Gelhart, but but one player who, you, you touched on it earlier, fans would like to know, what was your relationship like with Josh Windass? With Josh, it was always, um, it was, I, I again, there's two sides to every story, which is always important. I think, especially when we weren't doing so well, uh, Josh probably struggled with the fact that he felt he'd moved from Rangers to Wigan Athletic, which was valid. 
You know, there was never a big fallout. There was never a big massive fallout where people think two people have had this clash that there's no going back from. I think over a period of time, it just become beneficial for the team and for Josh that he moved on. And Josh Windass, without a shadow of doubt, has got all the qualities to be a Premier League footballer. Josh has got the capabilities to still go on and be a Premier League player. So when people built this up, I was always searching for a formula that made Wigan Athletic win. And unfortunately for some lads along the way, there was always going to be a bit of collateral damage. There was never the fallout that people said. There was never a situation where um, the relationship was irretrievable. You know, I certainly, even today, I wish Josh Windass every success in his career. Josh Windass is not a bad person. He's not a bad lad. He's the opposite. He actually loves his football. But there came a point when it was best beneficial for both parties to go their separate ways. I think that's a great answer. And it's a lovely message as well about Josh and your respect for him. So the next question is, um, what is your funniest memory of being the Wig Athletic player or manager? Funniest memory? <laughs> yeah, the funniest memory? My God. I can tell you which were the unhappiest memories. I've got plenty of them. I think the unhappy ones are certainly the Stoke away goal and the Luton away goal and the Swansea own goal, all deep in stoppage time when we just couldn't see a game out. I think the happiest memory is probably... What would the happiest memory have been? I think just the... the, 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 the as probably as disappointing it was, was the feeling going home, you know, after we'd beat Stoke 3-0. And unfortunately, that was the night before we were about to go into, you know, administration. I think the whole feeling of the post-Stoke game was that the team had now gelled. They were playing really good football. The group were getting on so well. You know, myself and the staff had a few beers after the game and it was probably the happiest I felt so. You know, unfortunately, that emotion only lasted for probably about 12 hours. After the Stoke game, how would you describe the the, the next couple of days of the administration and, and what happened? Horrendous, absolutely horrendous. At, at the time, I, I actually, you know, once the dust settled, I probably, I felt more sorry for Darren Royal, Joe Royal and Jonathan Jackson because I felt they'd been absolutely hung out to dry. You know, up to that point, no matter what had gone on behind the scenes, there had been no problems with money. No one was owed wages. There was no late pay. There was nothing to foresee what was about to go on. And from what I can gather and speaking to them guys post that, it just got dropped on them as, got, as it much as it got dropped on everyone else. And I know that three of them took it really tough as well. But none of them have got anything to feel bad about, none of them. The three of them are really good people. They're really good men, you know, and they all at that moment in time, especially Jonathan more than the others, absolutely had Wigan Athletics' best interest at heart and they had a really good love for the club. So, you know, that was sad to see. And I, and I, it was interesting that you mentioned that because at Barry and, and Bolton, those kind of situations, you can kind of see foresee it coming, but it was so out of the blue and so random. And you had a lot of praise there for Jonathan Jackson and how important is he uh, for the future of the football club, having him involved? Again, I can't answer that question because unfortunately for Jonathan, whoever comes in, the new owners will determine the future. So that can be quite sad. I think Jonathan, for his links with Wigan Athletic, both to his father, for himself, his family, 
you know, was absolutely... When people work for a club and people say they have the club's best interests at heart, that could never, ever apply to anyone more so than Jonathan Jackson. He absolutely loves the club. So I can only say, hopefully going forward, that anyone who comes into the club and the new owners, if they listen to people around the club, then I'm sure that there'll be a role for Jonathan to play in the future. Have you been keeping updated with the, the current situation at Wigan in regards to finding a buyer? No, no, no. What I tried to do, Jay, especially after I left the club, I've tried to distance myself from the club as much as I can. I think one of the problems for people, when you're always, when there's a shadow of somebody around a place, I don't think it's fair on everybody that's still there. It's like when we touched upon about even for Liam Richardson. Liam Richardson's Wigan Athletics manager now in his own right. He's picking teams in his own right. He's doing outstandingly well in his own right. He doesn't need Paul Cook hanging around. What I did do, initially I went to all the games to start and I wouldn't go near the dressing rooms or not. And I was just there to give my support to the team and hope that my presence in the director's box could give the lads who were still there a little lift in trying to do really well and also give the young lads who were playing a lift. So I'm only here or I'm only around Wigan Athletic purely as a, a person who offers me best encouragement to everybody who's still there. It's, it's a really sad story what's happened over the last couple of months. There's some of the players that have moved on, they are doing really well at the moment, which kind of shows how close you were to be on, on that path to greatness. And, and we talked about it before that that team probably could have gone on and definitely competed for the playoffs. And seeing how the players are doing now, um, are you surprised that some of the lads have gone into the Premier League and are performing as well as they are? No. We, we, I think statistics don't lie, Jay. You know, they genuinely don't. Up to Christmas last year, and people don't like it. A lot of the XG stuff, what people are all talking about in football today, Wigan Athletic was still very strong in it. Jonathan Jackson was a big advocate of this. Jonathan Jackson used to regularly say to me things like, you know, our performances through these XGs are very good. Yet as a manager, I couldn't bear getting beat. I absolutely couldn't stand the thought that we were given last-minute goals away, that we weren't seeing games out. And then when you look at some of the goals we conceded, and we forgot to say about the West Brom at home goal, about the funniest moments. <laughs> I still have a laugh with Jamie Jones about that now. You know, we couldn't buy a win at that time. And to outplay West Brom at home and your goalie to go and have a water drink when he thought the ball was out to play was amazing. So the reality for the question, Jay, uh, no, I'm not surprised. I think what a lot of the lads, if you look at lads like uh, Jamal Lowe, for example, you know, Jamal got a lot of criticism off Wigan fans. Um, and what I highlight that as now, that's a perfect example of everyone judging people today. Jamal Lowe up to last year had never played a championship level. So you must allow these people a period of time to grow into the job, to get accustomed to the surroundings. There's not many people who can go into a new job and just hit the ground running. And I think the experience that the whole team were gaining over a period of time, you're seeing in the results, you're seeing in the performances. To, I think we lost one out the last 17. And the only one we lost out the last 17 was Brentford away. And that was the Saturday after we were told we'd gone into administration. I think by the time the season ended, it was a very good football team that Wigan Athletic had. It, it looked really bright and promising. And the 
the phrase uh, Band of Brothers was thrown about a lot. And from that Band of Brothers, one of the questions from Paul Roach is, out of that squad, which player do you believe could become a manager in the future? I think all of them had too much to say at times, Jay. I think they all do. Uh, listen, I think sometimes you don't know. You know, I think there's different type of lads in the dressing room. And I think for, in the modern day game now, Jay, well, even for the lads in general now, recruitment is a big part of football. Coaching is a big part of football. And managing is a big part. So when I was finishing, realistically, you could only be a manager. I think nowadays for the lads who love football, there's different departments of football clubs that they could possibly go into. And I think at Wigan Athletic, I think a lot of them lads, I certainly think there's one or two in there who'll never manage and play football, that's for sure. But I think I'll keep them names to myself. I think it's best to. I think one player I, I used to pick out as a potential manager was Sam Morsey because he seemed to have the right temper and his, his leadership was quite admirable towards the end of his time at Wigan and for it, throughout his time at Wigan. And I think he does a lot of praise for that. Some of these answers have been brilliant. And, and we're going to end the fans' Q&A now with a question which was literally asked by every man and his dog. And that is, if we can get a new owner and he was offered the job as manager, would you come back? You never say never in football, Jay. Never, ever say it, never. Do you know the reason why I left? I was disappointed with some of the fans' reactions on Twitter and stuff. And I'm not a great social media, but where they thought that I was jumping ship to go to a new club. You know, and I, after what we all went through together, I would never have jumped ship in a million years for the club not to be given compensation. You know, and that disappointed me. You know, the reason I left, because I was aware and I was very much to the front of what was about to happen over the next few months. And I didn't want to be part of that. Going forward, could I manage Wigan Athletic? I could manage Wigan Athletic 100% one day in the future. 100% I could be managing it again, yeah, without a doubt. That's the, uh, the answer all fans were hoping to hear because you're holding such high regard here. And thanks for some absolutely uh, terrific answers, Paul. And thanks to the fans too for the equally brilliant questions. It's been fantastic to catch up and really some of these excellent memories. And I hope the fans have, have really enjoyed listening to it too because there's a special reason as to why we're all here today bringing you this event. And not only do you want to put a smile on fans' faces and lift spirits after a really tough few months, not just in football, but in general life with the coronavirus, coronavirus pandemic, uh, but also raise awareness for the importance of mental health. Uh, Paul, as someone who's played football and managed in football, how much does mental health affect you and, and fellow professionals? Again, I can only give my own experience and my own views. and It's something that over a period of time, now obviously the mental health issues have always been there. They've always been in society. But I think it's present day now where it's getting spoken about and addressed in the correct and proper manner that it should. I think for anybody who's suffering any type of mental illnesses or anything, please, please speak out. Please speak to someone. Please seek advice. Please pick the phone up. You know, don't shoulder anything on your own. I think sometimes nowadays, if you can, you know, they used to say a problem shared is a problem halved. You know, and I think that was a good saying. You know, nowadays, all over the country and all over the world, people are really struggling to get through the day. Whatever way you can be helped and whatever day you might need help to get through the day, please speak out and please let people help you. I think that's a wonderful message and it is okay not to be okay. I personally have had my own struggles with mental health over the years with anxiety. And once you speak out, I know it's quite scary to make that initial conversation and obviously open up because it is quite a sensitive subject. You feel a lot better. You feel like a weight's lifting off your shoulders. 
I recently uh, had a, a bit of a mental breakdown uh, after I was involved in a car crash last month. Not many people know about it, but uh, I, I was broken by it at the time. But I, I spoke to my family, my friends, I reached out and it really helped me going forward. And that's why I, I'd really recommend that if you are going through a tough time, please speak out because it can really help change your life. And we've seen the power of social media. We've seen the negative sides of things, the, the player stick and abuse like that. But it gives a platform where you can speak out and open up. And it really helped me. And I think it can help a lot of people. And to link more to football now, do you think footballers can sometimes be a li- little bit reluctant to open up about mental health, given the society that we're living in? I think one of the problems with the society that we're living in today, Jay, we will never, ever eradicate something 100%. Because of the way the world's built and the way people are, we'll never eradicate it. But you can guarantee the good out there ridiculously outweighs the bad. The good ridiculously outweighs the negativity. And no matter how good you think somebody else's life is, we don't realise how much this touches every household, every family, every person in the world. Because happiness is something that you can't formulate or plan. And if you are unhappy, as we've said before, and no matter how it is, reach out. Reach out because there's so many good people who are wanting to help. There's so many great charities around as well that do a lot of good work for mental health. Empathy Northwest is a charity in Wigan. They offer a counselling service 24-7. We'll put a link in the description to raise awareness for that. But Adam, uh, do you want to join the conversation now and ask a few questions about mental health? And I really applaud your answer too, Paul, because like it's so important that everyone knows if you are feeling a bit, bit low, if you are feeling a bit down, reach out because there'll always be someone to listen to you. Well said. Absolutely, yeah. Again, thank you very much, Paul. You know, I myself, I've always been very open about my, my own personal issues and I've always felt that, you know, there's someone to talk to. And I think it's important for everyone to kind of be very open and honest because there are people out there and resources that are available for those that need it. Now, I'd like to begin my uh, line of question by asking something that I'm interested in myself. Uh, it's about setbacks. So during your time at Wigan, when results weren't going, wasn't going your way, how did you cope with this yourself and show the mental strength to persevere and turn the form around? I think, well, again, I think you, and I'm, I'm no expert on, you know, in mental strength, mental strength, etc. But I think a lot of it, you can sort of go back in time sometimes and look at your upbringing and your family life. And, you know, what I think now is, is a problem. It's when you face disappointments come in life. You know, I wanted to be a footballer growing up, but my first disappointment come when I was 15, 16, and Liverpool Football Club told me I'll never play league football. And I look back, that was a real turning point in my football life because I wasn't prepared to accept that I wouldn't play league football. I wanted to show Liverpool Football Club and everyone out there that I will be a footballer. I will train harder. I will practice more. I will go out running in the dark. So that was my first real setback, or my not setback, probably, my first real step towards mental strength because I wasn't going to allow that to influence my future. And like we touched on before, every football, and I'm only using football as an example, it's your absolute job to get the best out of your career. And if you can look back and say you got the best out of it, then you've achieved success. My success there come when I started playing league football and I started signing for Wigan. And I think one of the things for everyone, everyone gets setbacks. 
everyone gets disappointment. Even as a football manager, as you go through the years, how you manage disappointment will set you up for your future. As a manager, you're a role model to your players. So one of the things that we pride ourselves on, even at Wigan Athletic, when we got beat, we always had respect and manners. You know, we always shook hands with the opposition. We always engaged with the opposition staff after the game. But our job then was to make it right. I was lucky, mate. I was very lucky that all my career through my family, my dad Chris, my mum Miley, my brothers, my family growing up. Then as I become a manager, my support staff around me, I've always been very lucky. I've been surrounded by very good people. So what my low points, I've always had people to talk to, people I can trust, people that have made me lift myself and go again. Yeah, it's a really interesting answer, Paul. And yeah, I, I myself, you know, I uh, I often have setbacks and I often, often find myself, you know, keep, you know, get my picking myself back up again but on a very frequent basis, particularly in these current circumstances. The next question is, how has the club's administrating affected your mental well-being on a personal level? On a personal level, financially, it hasn't helped me, lads, I can tell you straight. <laughs> I think from here, I'm, and I'm having a joke there, by the way, I hope everyone out there knows that. I think... Uh, how did it affect me on a personal level? It was disappointing. It was very disappointing, you know. From a personal point of view, I would have had two years left on my contract. Uh, my contract was obviously had things in there that were very much geared to success, to staying up, to reaching higher levels of the league. So, you know, when I resigned from the club, I walked away without any future money, you know, without any payments or anything. You know, I just agreed to sign a, a release form. So obviously the administration side of it had a setback to me that I'd just moved house. So everything was from a personal point of view, you know, that I had to realign my life then, you know, realign the fact that I was very committed to doing a job at Wigan Athletic that I believed that we could go to the Premier League. So all of a sudden, all my alignments with what my future held had been taken away from me. I was now out of work. I was now looking for a total different line of employment, an employment that might see me move away from my family home, that have to see me move far away possibly. So it had an all different bearings on me. As we speak today, I'm a lot more set and comfortable with being out of work. You know, I'm a lot more happier within myself that I am waiting for the correct opportunity, whatever that opportunity is. You know, I'm lucky. When we say about setbacks, eh? I've turned down jobs now. So I could have gone back to work. So being out of work now is my choice. So it helps me manage that situation. I'm not out of work now because I haven't got a job. I'm out of work because I've chosen to turn down jobs. So mentally, deal with it as well. And also you've got to factor in, you know, my family. You know, my family have been used to me going to work every day. You know, my children have been used to going to work every day. So after initial period of where it was good to have dad home you know it's now not that same situation so yeah so the final, final question that I'd like to ask you is you know obviously you talked about uh, your position of you know deciding to stay out of work do you think that, that that's helped you in terms of you know, your dealing and coping strategies of obviously the shock uh, administration news yeah I think so 
I think, you know, and again, it, perception out there is everything. You know, I think the perception of people in general was that I'd just walk into the next job. I think that was a perception. You've got to manage that. You know, I am now being very selective and careful of the club that I decide to join. You know, I was I was involved with Wigan Athletic over something that was going to see the squad change, the squad build and the squad progress. I think I played my part in that like I was supposed to. I think going forward now, I've got to make sure that the next job I take mirrors exactly what I want to get from the future of football as well. I think that's a great answer. And when you when you talk about your next clubs, is there any criteria you're looking for? No, Jay. Ideally, I want to get a championship club that is capable of going into the Premier League. I want to manage in the Premier League. I want to have uh, that feeling of the, the, the elite level football. I've felt it to a small degree at Wigan Athletic on the cup runs and in big games when we played the Aston Villas and the Leeds, the West Broms. And I want to feel it again. So for me to do that, the club that I join must have the capabilities of hopefully one day going into the Premier League. If I don't get that job, Jay, and I tell people this all the time, I will return to football management. Are you with me? But at this moment in time, I am trying my best to wait to get the right fit for Paul Cook. I think that's a great answer. And to link back onto the Premier League point, uh, you're a massive Liverpool fan and we've discussed earlier. Have you ever managed against Liverpool in your career? And if so, uh, would you look forward to that occasion? It was actually quite ironic. It was, game. it was the first game for Wigan Athletic. And yeah, it was. Because we were beating Liverpool 1-0 and both myself and Anthony Barry looked up at the scoreboard and went, hey, it's a good night here if we're beating Liverpool. And I think it was Salah's debut for Liverpool as well. So that was a really good night for everyone. I don't know how that slipped my mind because I think uh, Gilby scored for Wigan and I think Salah scored on his debut, if I remember Alex correctly. First half to put us 1-0 up, yeah. That would have been a special moment for you. And and obviously this this call and, and this special event today has been about all about mental health. And how important do you think it is to raise a profile and awareness of something like this? Just keep going, Jack. Just everybody, these podcasts, these Zoom calls, you know, especially in the times that we're in for out there where, you know, without people having an outlet to speak to someone and to talk, you know, then frustrations will only build up. So the more we can get stuff out there through social media, through whatever means it is, just to let people know that they are not alone. And once they know they're not alone, we've got a chance of being successful and trying to help them on the road to recovery. Absolutely. I can't echo that enough. And to, to end this really special uh, evening for the Wing Athletic supporters and ourselves, what would be your final message to the fans uh, to, to end uh, this, this occasion? Just keep going. Just keep believing in your club. Do you know, I think the strength that you've showed through these bad times over the last six, seven months been nothing short of amazing and hopefully we can all return to the DW one day under really good ownership with the club winning football games and trying to climb the league to get us where we want to be Great answer and Adam is there anything you'd like to add before uh, it comes to an end? No I think you've covered it I'd just like to say obviously on behalf of myself big thank you to you Paul for your time and I'm sure everyone else that listens to this and watches it will be grateful as well so and we wish you all the best Thank you Absolutely. very much for that, guys. Lovely to see you. Stay uh, safe.